You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I think we are on episode now 43 because in Extra Extra Takes launched this Monday on Juneteenth as we, as a country and culture celebrated that day. So I hope you enjoyed that Extra Takes podcast. But I'm here with not my regular co-host, Matt Shiles, but Joe Curtis. He's sitting in for Matt. So Joe, welcome to the podcast, and it is great to have you. Thank you. Peace be with you all. Thank you. I really enjoy, and I thank you for uh, Matt allowing me to sit in. He allowed you? Like, did you ask permission, or did he tell you? No, I kind of kicked the chair, and he slipped and rolled over to the cave. He's back (laughs) in the cave. Hello, man. (laughs) You know, but yes. (laughs) <laughs> All and told. I love it. Love it. Just trying to be polite. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, if a man who starts his, you know, salutation with peace be, I mean, yeah, you better be polite. You know. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, I try. It doesn't come out that way. But anyway. <laughs> moving right along. Moving right along. We are here on Father's Day weekend um, with the third week of Hamilton Through the Eyes of the Gospel. And the title we have is You'll Be Back, the song. And the title we have is You'll Be Back, the story of the Cosmic King. Again, June 17th and 18th, 2023. The over, the excuse me, the Old Testament overview up until Jesus. Yeah, they got the whole Bible packaged in an hour this yeah, past week. they did. It's like drinking from a fire hose, probably. <laughs> it was. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so hot, and it's been so humid, it actually probably was refreshing. Oh, my. Well, yeah, I mean, you're talking about hot and humid at 9 o'clock. I, th- I mean, I thought, Lord have mercy, somebody is going to come up here and give me a towel. I was sweating. I mean, so, so, and and maybe they turn on the air at the 11 o'clock. I don't know what happened, but I mean, like 9 o'clock. I mean, I, I felt the beads of I mean, sweat, and I'm like, I need a hanky. Where's my hanky? Uh, and so, anyway, sorry. Yeah. Like I digress. Coat. There we go. Yeah. And I, and I just let it go. <laughs> so maybe we need Mac back up here. All right. So our thesis, in the 11 o'clock, you said your super extra long thesis. Yeah, normally I have very pithy, like, main points. But, again, this is a different different format. And so I'm just... I'm just kind of spelling out what I'm hoping to accomplish in that time. Wonderful. And you and you and Matt can judge me whether or not I accomplished that. Yes. So okay. we'll talk about All that right. as we go along. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably this is one of the reasons Matt wanted to stay in the back. I got him in the back, so no judging. <laughs> All right. So the thesis. I want to show how King George III is an example of the prototypical king throughout world history and how the revolutionaries were the prototypical response people had and had to have and had to monarchical rule throughout history and how the story of the cosmic king in scripture and his subjects with a capital H break the prototypical response. So we just want to make sure because it was a long Long yeah. thesis yeah. and a lot of information. Do you want to kind of just maybe give a, before I even get into it, just 
uh, have have the listeners understand a lot of information that we're going through and why we're going through a lot of information on on Sundays instead of just doing like the quick sermon. Yeah, so one thing I would say right out of the gate, and I didn't do this this past weekend, but our mission statement at Northland is that we exist to glorify God as we participate in His mission of redeeming a people from all peoples. And then we have by engaging neighbors and nations to be fully alive in King Jesus through the power of the Spirit. So... One of the reasons why we chose to use the word people and not kingdom is because Americans, we don't, even though we have an, I would say, an uh, infatuation or at least we are intrigued with kings and kingdoms and monarchs, that's not part of our everyday vernacular. So therefore, we use the word people. But in essence, what we're saying is that God is on mission to redeem a kingdom. In which that was the story this past week of how he's actually redeeming a kingdom from all kingdoms. Now, all kingdoms are under the kingdom of man, but he's wanting to redeem our kingdom, you know, which will now be the kingdom of God. So, so, so really, if you want to kind of even connect the dots even more in, in a practical way, is that our mission statement is, partic- is saying that we're participating God in this in this kingdom type mission. So so that would be one. But but we actually made sure though we referenced the kingdom when we said fully alive in King Jesus. Like, and I obviously use that vernacular King Jesus all the time. Why? Because we serve a king. We are under a king. And if there is a king, it just goes to show that there is a kingdom. And so what you really saw this past week uh, using, using the song, You'll Be Back, is really the story of the cosmic king and us, as if you're a Christian, his kingdom subjects mm-hmm. of, of, what, of what God's been trying to do since the very beginning of time. And so but but I, but in in short though I wanted to use the song because it really is. So he's so obviously King George III wasn't the first king who ever walked to play, you know, planet Earth, but he's an example of the prototypical king. Like another thing that I could have even been pointed out, which I, I, I did theoretically, is that when you look at all of the kings who lived, even King David in Israel, he was the prototypical king. Sure, he had some elements and some characteristics of the cosmic king because he was a man after his own heart. But if you really do look at David's life, he was flawed. He was, you know, he was imperfect. Not, not only that, but uh, there were times where he was intense, like he was a warrior, and sometimes he just didn't do things quite as well, and what he wasn't as patient as God was. And so, you look at all of the kings throughout, even the the the, the kingdom of Israel. Now, again, the kingdom of Israel was not the kingdom of God, but what he was trying to show, what God was trying to show with Israel is reflections mm-hmm. uh, of his kingdom. That's the reason why none of the kings under the king of, uh, you know, in the kingdom of Israel were the cosmic king. We're, we're, we're left wanting and waiting. So anyways, I, I know that I'm kind of getting ahead, but I just wanted to kind of bring in some some extra kind of thinking and thoughts that I, I could have said, but I obviously just didn't have the time to say it. Exactly. And that's why we are here. I love it. So 
just to back up and kind of give some opening notes and some terms you gave at the beginning, uh, one interesting note, and I knew this but didn't think about this, the monarch, the monarchy is the oldest form of government. Yeah. You know, like you, you know it, but until somebody makes that statement, you, it doesn't hit home. So that was the one thing. Then the term of sacred kingship. And you uh, defined it religious and political concept by which a ruler is seen as an incarnation, manifestation, mediator, or agent of a sacred or holy realm, uh, which is really interesting because you, you, you see that a lot. If you, you know, I love history and you see that a lot. And also the define a divine right of kings, a political doctrine and defense of a monarchical absolutism, which inserted that the kings derived their authority from God. It yeah. was like they were connected with God or, like you made a statement, some of, you know, saw themselves as God. Yeah, yeah. And just, I mean, just FYI, like a uh, monarchy, there, there are several different kinds of monarchies. You have absolute monarch, which the monarch has full and absolute power. There's a constitutional monarch where the monarch divides power with a constitutionally founded government. There's a federal monarch and a mixed monarch. So I won't go into all of it, but, but there's several kinds of monarchy. But but again, when you look at history, they they definitely see the, the sacred kingship of the monarch or the divine rights of the king. Now, what's interesting, and again, I didn't, I learned this as I was learning about Hamilton. Did you know that Hamilton did not want a president to have term limits? Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Mm-hmm. I have my thoughts. <laughs> I personally think. Now, now, just, well, now, just because he didn't want them to have term limits didn't mean that every four years they weren't going to run again. But, you know, but but presidents are limited to up to eight, year, right. uh, eight years serving as presidency. Service, right. But Hamilton didn't want that. So he's kind of bought, he's kind of borrowing off monarchy, you know, kind of a monarchy where, you know, a president could you know, have have his office or her office for life. And I heard that there, that was a debate among a lot of the founding fathers because you had some wanting it and some not wanting the terms. Well, and that was kind of almost like the difference between Federalist and, you know, kind of Republicans, Democratic Republicans at that point. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting kind of the, you know, the evolution. Again, I'm, I'm not a political science major or anything. I did stay at a Holiday Inn last night. But, <laughs> but, so, but one of the things I actually do like, and I think what we're seeing today even in our own, in our own context, I mean, every four years you can get a whole new agenda, and I mean, the the country can have whiplash, <laughs> you, you know. And so, and, and right now, I mean, it's I mean, and it was so intense back then. I mean, we'll, you know, we'll talk this coming week about the duel, and it was really against two political opponents. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's always been intense. But I mean, but I, but this this whole idea of of, of political and cultural whiplash from uh, a person coming in and having a completely different agenda and offsetting everything that the previous person did. And and so I'm finding that more and more now as we enter into really the 21st century of the political landscape of America, I mean, you, I, I could see some things where it, it probably would be good to have some consistency. 
<laughs> Again, uh, I know that some people also. I had one person uh, come up to me, and and it was and it was in, very intentional. But he's like, "Man, you were kind of negative towards like like democracy or or the the revolutionaries." I'm like, "Well, I wasn't really trying to be negative, but what I wanted to kind of show is that same spirit that they had was seen at the very beginning." And this idea of this constitutional republic, democracy that we live in, I just don't want us to get comfortable with it because we weren't meant to live in this kind of government. And I also would want people to know, and uh, Leslie Newbegin in his book, Foolishness to the Greeks, he actually talks about you know, the various forms of government out there. He talks about democracy, he talks about, you know, kind of monarchy, communism, socialism. And 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 what what he argued in, which I would agree with, is that there is no perfect system of government, that they all have their pros and cons. Now, let me be very clear to say this. I am grateful to be an American. We are a blessed nation, and anything good that has come from our nation or that exists in our nation, I truly believe is from the hand of God. So, so I'm not like you know, kind of bad mouthing being in America, like, but I just wanted to connect the dots. Of going, I mean, that's why when you look at the revolutionaries, they they rejected, they revolted, they ran away, they wanted to rule on their own. That's exactly what Adam and Eve wanted to do, mm-hmm. and so so it is in our very now sinful nature where we don't want people in authority over us. And that's kind of what you're seeing even today is that everybody wants their individual rights. And so they'll elect anybody who promises them, I'll fight for you. I'll fight for you. I'll give you what you want. And so, I mean, again, that, 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 that's the same old, you know, it's, again, that's the same old line, man, wow. that we saw since the very beginning. So, again, digress, but there's so much that was packed in that, you know, yes. this past weekend that I might do some, you, you know, I might chase some rabbits for yeah. us. No, <laughs> no worry at all. Um, and, again, you mentioned some of the characteristics, but I want to go back to the first, first characteristic of the prototypical king. Yeah, king yeah, yeah. King George III. Yeah. You listed out imperfect impersonal, indignant, intense, impermanent. But one of the things that came out from the song, at least for me when I was listening to it and I heard it before, was the use of love. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so I just want you to, because using that, those characteristics, can you discuss the interesting way of the prototypical king using love the way that he did in that song he so this is the way human beings in a fallen world this is the way we prototypically look at love what people can do for us so ultimately he loved them for what they would give him so he love you know and the whole idea is that he's going to show his love through force mm-hmm. to get them back under his control for what they bring to him because ultimately and why they rebelled is that you know you had the you had the 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 nation of of, of Great Britain or yeah well is it Great Britain but you know UK cuz the United Kingdom Great Britain so I can you know obviously I'm not British but they had been in a war with France for several years 
which led them into debt. So what they started doing is taxing the colonies even more without representation. So so basically, he he's using them for things that he was doing over there in that part of the world. And so so the idea of love is what people, and that, that's why that is not God centered love. And sin, that's why, you know, Jesus was not the prototypical king. He loved through giving. Uh, he actually loved through bankrupting heaven. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. here he's loving so that he can bankroll his kingdom. And so that that's that's the difference. Yeah. You know, so if you're loving somebody for for how they can bankroll your life and add value to your life, then that's not loving them, that's loving yourself. Right. And so that that's and that was the the spinoff of that song is that I kept on and that's why it was like it was it was such a, a good song that that Miranda wrote because he's like yeah I, I'm using love but this is how I'm going to show you my love and any other king throughout history if they had subjects revolting rebelling I promise they're they're doing the same thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah so I'm gonna do something I'm gonna jump okay. Because you brought up the characteristics, and we, I mean, and, and really it's the connection of the characteristics of the king. Yeah. And I think it would be really good to kind of pivot and talk about the characteristics of the cosmic king. And I know I'm, yeah. jump, I'm jumping from the beginning of the sermon. That's fine. The middle That's the sermon, fine. And I'm okay. But you, you know, the contrast of the cosmic king, those characters, perfect, personal, gracious, merciful, loving, just, patient redemptive. And this right here just kind of connects the, the statement you made at that particular time. You said Adam and Eve revolted against the perfect king. And my thought was, and I can connect the other song that was in Hamilton, will we ever be satisfied? Mm. I will never be satisfied. You will never be satisfied. I will never be satisfied. Just just that, you know, that thought of Adam and Eve still revolting again. Are, are we heading in? I mean, is this this cycle that we're well, in? Well, yeah. And wanted to connect another song because I, I wanted to share these lyrics too. But again, didn't have time. <laughs> but the, the next song that the king sings is What Comes Next. And so he says, what comes next? You've been freed. Do you know how hard it is to lead? Your own, your own, awesome, wow. Do you have a clue what happens now? And and and, and here's what I would say, and even going to the satisfaction, I think what we've really kind of learned throughout human history is that we really don't know. We, we try. I mean, we, we try to play a good game of leading, of what happens now. But we're always left dissatisfied that we've not really quite reached it, which then goes back to some of the quotes that I read from the New York Times and the L.A. Times of why we're so intrigued and infatuated with the monarch, which I connected to what C.S. Lewis had said. Mm-hmm. So take all of the myths. Why do we love the Disney stories so much? I mean, really, why, why do we love them? I mean, you, you see 
Um, there, there's this land that's beautiful. You got your prince, your princess, something happens, something goes wrong. There's a tragedy, there's a rebellion, or there's a curse. And then you have Prince Charming. You have, you, you know, some hero that comes on the scene with a magic kiss, you know, because again, uh, now what's so, oh gosh, I'm, I'm, I got my, my head is like spinning. <laughs> but do you know, like Psalms 2, it's what we call a royal psalm. Mm-hmm. And what what uh, what the psalmist gets at that if you want to be part of this of this incredible kingdom, if you want to be part of the cosmic king's kingdom, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to kiss the sun. You're going to have to kiss the sun. So when you look at the Disney stories, when there's this magical kiss mm-hmm. that restores everything, and then they live happily ever after, sure, those are fantastical myths that we are like infatuated with, that we're intrigued by, that deep down inside, we would love for them to be true. And and what we saw in terms of the story of the Cosmic King is the ultimate Disney story. But the difference is, is that the Disney stories are myth. This is a true myth. Yes. And so, but uh, but but that that's what's so, I mean, it's what's so incredible ab- about the story of God is that it truly is a good news story for all of humanity in which, again, when you look at why we're so drawn to these kinds of stories and myths having to do with kings and queens and princes and princesses that live happily ever after, that, oh gosh, from Genesis to Revelation, I tried to tie that with a bow and oh, I tried. Yes. I, I love yeah. it. And then just a, so we see definitely the, contrast between the prototypical king and the cosmic king. And just to restate uh, what you, uh, C.S. Lewis' statement, yeah. to tie that, the kingship thing, and just to tie it up and how we're all kind of enamored with uh, myths and the, you know, the stories and the impact of them. C.S. Lewis states, now the story of Christ is simply a true myth, a myth working on us in the same way as the others, but with this tremendous difference that it is really that it really happened. Yeah. yeah. True. The true part. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that. yeah. That's the thing. And that's what yeah, and I, you know, again, I don't even know if I really explained that whole connection well, but he was he was an atheist, but he was a he was a friend of J.R.R. Tolkien. And so Tolkien was just an incredible witness to Lewis because they were both in literature. They both were writers. And so him really trying to connect, like, man, you're you're so moved and emotional by, by these myths. Why? Because all of these myths that you're moved by, when you look at the story of Christ, mm-hmm. all of the myths that you're moved by are wrapped up in the story of Jesus. And, and, and he actually lived. He actually walked planet Earth. And he actually, and, and so, so that was a huge turning point for Lewis, which led him to write this because of that conversation that he had with Tolkien. And then just once again, going back to the idea of royalty and us being intrigued, I, and I can't stress this enough, Adam and Eve, they were fully human with God's image in, imprinted on their life. Like So they, so they were image bearers. They, they were not divine by their nature. No, that they they had characteristics of of God who was divine divine in them, but they were fully human. Yet they're considered royalty, mm-hmm. 
And then when you look at what happens at the very end, and I said this in every gathering except the 11 o'clock, and I really was just trying to just, you know, kind of end, because <laughs> I knew it was already long. But in Revelation 22, so Genesis 1, very first chapter of the Bible, Adam and Eve, royalty, and had that quote. And I could, again, I, and I use the, you know, I'm using this series a little bit differently because I typically don't quote from theologians and authors the way I, I've done in this series. But you have Adam and Eve, king, queen, or a prince, princess, un, the under king of the cosmic king, but, but they are not divine, yet they're royalty. In Revelation 22, so th- written thousands of years later by, by John, the very last chapter in chapter 22, John pins that they who are part of the kingdom there in the new city will, will rule with him forever and ever. So once again, just connecting the dots that if you are in Jesus. Now, here's another dot I'll connect. So in Exodus 19, God tells Israel that you are my treasured possession. So he's cosmic king. Mm-hmm. You're my treasured possession. Mm-hmm. You're my kingdom of priest, kingdom. Mm-hmm. But but you're going to act as this mediator. You're, you're going to be the bridge between me and the nations, and you're my holy nation. So they are this royal nation that has been plopped in the middle of the world to represent the rule and reign of God to the surrounding nations, but they failed, and I think I covered that pretty well. Yeah. You fast forward to the New Testament, First Peter, Peter's writing, and he uses the same language that Moses used in Exodus. Peter uses that same language to apply it to the church. We are God's chosen people, his treasured possession his kingdom of priest and his holy nation. So mm. so we are as his people, we are royalty. We are royalty. Yeah. And and that's what I mean, that's what blows my ever-loving mind that what we are so intrigued about as Americans, we can actually claim we are royalty if we serve King Jesus. Mm-hmm. That is amen to that. I, I love it because, and it, it's it it kind of brings you to the wow. I just want to take a step back just to think because that it, it hit a lot of the points that I had down. Yeah, and it it talks about you know because I I just want to back up to the prototypical subjects okay. of the revolutionary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how they rejected the king. They uh they re- uh you know just revolted against the king. They ran away from the king. The rule they wanted to rule on their own without the king. And you brought it back just like you mentioned. Surprise to Genesis. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. But it talks about and again that as you mentioned, as humans, we are, or at least God had Adam and Eve as royalty. Yeah. And us as Christians, we have that as royalty. But it's like we have the desire to rule. Yeah. 
which is the, you know, the image of God. So it's understanding he's given us that right to cultivate the land and to work the land. But what I wanted to kind of point out, especially because we're talking about the characteristics of um, of the subjects of the revolutionary, and we could do the same exact thing with the characteristics of Adam and Eve, reject, revolt, run away, rule on their own. Isn't that what gets us in, in trouble? Well, yeah, obviously got Adam and Eve in trouble. <laughs> but yeah, but I want to, you know, like one of the things that I that I want to really connect the dot to even on this idea of God entering God entering into relationship with his subject. So Adam and Eve obviously relationship with God, but they do all those things, right? They reject, rebel, uh, revolt, run away, and want to rule on their own. But what makes so so what makes the difference between what Adam and Eve did and what Jesus's subjects do. So, and I I, I want to connect the dots of the difference through the idea of covenant. So, so covenant because that's another major theme throughout Scripture that God is going to enter into a, an official relationship with His people, which is kind of basically what a covenant is, and. Uh, here's just something very interesting about covenants in the ancient, in the ancient Near East, where again all of this took place. So there were two types of of covenant treaties in the ancient Near East. There was the Suzerian vassal treaty. So Suzerian is is spelled S U Z E R. A-I-N. So it's the Suzerian Vassal Treaty and the Royal Charter or Land Grant. So the Suzerian Vassal Treaty, that was the first type. And so, so that was the first type, and it's a diplomatic treaty between a great king or Suzerian um, or Suzerian and client kings or vassals. So, so that treaty is a, a, a higher, more powerful king and a lesser king. So when you think about the exile, you have the Assyrians, they come in, they conquer the northern kingdom. So you have a higher, more powerful king with a more powerful army dominating a lesser king. And so they will, you know, that kind of, you know, that kind of covenant existed or like the Babylonians coming into the south, like so a higher, more powerful king, lesser king. And the focus of those treaties was to reinforce the interest of the greater king by arguments from history and an oath-bound affirmation of loyalty on the part of the vassal states backed up by divine sanction. So in other words, they're going to enter into a covenant and the greater king is going to tell the lesser king and his subjects, this is what you got to do to maintain right standing with me. Mm. But the minute you, you start revolting or rebelling, against me, I'm going to come in and I'm going to stomp you out. Like so, so that was the kind of first covenant. The second type of treaty involves a grant of property or even a privileged position of a priestly or royal office given as a favor by a god or king. And the focus of these treaties is on honor and the interpersonal re- relationship. What you have with the Lord and his people are both and. God's the more powerful cosmic king, and that's why, you know, Adam was the lesser king. And so Adam was supposed to, he was supposed to obey 
the, the laws and, and the governance that the cosmic king set, and God was going to give him a land, the Garden of Eden. Well, reject, rebel, and then, but instead of stomping him out, he, he just he kicks him out of his land. Mm-hmm. But he's going to do the same thing with Israel. Right, so he's going to say, "I'm I'm the cosmic king, you're the lesser king." And so, yes, uh, Moses led, and then the judges led, and then eventually they had under kings, or you know, even under shepherds that led. So, but these were the lesser kings, and they were supposed to be under the rule and reign of the cosmic king. And God was going to give them land, and so He was going to govern life in the land. But He had told them, as the greater king, if you disobey me, we'll kick you out. He did that. Well, so now you fast forward and you get to Jesus and the church. That's the reason why what Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Now go make disciples because his kingdom isn't of this world, So, but he has purchased every through his through his death and his resurrection, he has purchased redemption for those. He's really purchased redemption for all, but we do not believe in universal salvation. Only those who receive the salvation, who profess Jesus as Lord and King. But he purchased the sin debt of humanity, particularly and more especially those who would claim him as Lord and King. And so now the entire earth is his, and so we as his people are to live under his rule and reign. So you say, well, where do you get kicked out of in, in where do you get kicked out of in the church? Well, have you ever heard about this thing called church discipline? So the church is the is the house and and, and again it's not a physical house it's a spiritual house mm-hmm. but anyone who claims to know Jesus and professes him as king and lord but does not have a public life that demonstrates them living under the rule and reign of Christ the church is to treat them as an unbeliever mm-hmm. with the hope that they would they would repent and come back to faith so so this idea of covenant is super important throughout scripture. Now, what's the difference though between the covenant in the Old Testament and the covenant in the New Testament? Well, so God, cosmic king, he actually sends his one and only son. So you have the cosmic king, his son, the cosmic king comes. He's fully man and he's fully God. And so now you have God become flesh to lead his people. But not only did he come to lead his people, but how did he come to that position? He actually died for his people. And he rose from the dead. And now anybody who professes him as king, as Lord, because he is the cosmic king, made flesh. Again, fully divine, fully human. But anyone who professes him as king, guess what he does? He gives them his spirit to live inside of them so that the spirit of God, the spirit of the cosmic king, lives within us, thus making us royalty, thus making us a child of the king, and the spirit becomes the governing mechanism Mm -hmm. in our life to fulfill those characteristics. Because we cannot, as we saw with Adam and Eve, even in a perfect world, I mean, even in a perfect world, they rebelled against the king because they didn't want to be under his authority. They thought he was something 
else is what the serpent deceived them into believing. But those who have the spirit of the cosmic king in them, the Holy Spirit, they will be boldly believing. They will be lovingly loyal. Why? Because, oh, this is so good. God is lovingly loyal to himself. Mm-hmm. So if if his spirit's in us, we're going to be lovingly loyal to him. We're going to be ferociously faithful. Why? Because God is ferociously faithful mm-hmm. to his people, to his promises, to his name. And so therefore, if his spirit is living within us, we're going to be ferociously faithful. We're going to be passionately passionately purposeful. Mm-hmm. Well, why? Because we have the spirit of God governing us. Um, and, and then deathly devout. I mean, I mean, we, we, we see what deathly devout looks like with Jesus. Yeah. The, the reason why he went to the cross was for the glory of the Father. The Father had sent him to do that. And so he was deathly devout. And, and he even prayed, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. I, I'm deathly devout to you, Father. Mm-hmm. And then excitedly expectant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, excitedly expected. Like we, we, we have a king who he's excited about what's coming. That he gets to come back. I mean, so so. Anyways, the reason why we we can fulfill those characteristics is because we have the spirit of the living King within us, which again goes against the prototypical response to the King. Because now, because of Jesus's death and resurrection, God has confirmed and sealed His subjects being fully aligned and fully allegiant to Him as King. Amen. And that's what I like because you you read those characteristics, but even something that even stood out, like you said, it was against the prototypical king, but it also makes us stand out and rebellious against the prototypical subjects. Yeah. Because it's completely different than what they're so, doing well, also. Just, just so think about it, you can think about it this way. So the prototypical king and the prototypical subjects, they actually share the same nature. Mm-hmm. Right? So... You know, one feeds off the of, of the other, whereas if you follow the cosmic king, eventually, and this is why he's the cosmic king, he, he's, he's patient and redemptive, and so eventually he's going to work in such a way as to get his subjects to have his same nature. Mm. But the only way he could do that was through the sacrificial death of of the cosmic king to give them that nature. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, I, I love it. We we hit all the points. We were. Yep. We, here's I another. Here's it. another. I mean, again, I'm I'm just I'm like spitting bars here, you know, but it's <laughs> spitting theology. It's spitting theology. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one of the things that you see, even when Adam and Eve sin, who who clothes them in their nakedness? God does. So now, now again, I, I called them former royalty because they, they were, but it's signifying, it's tipping the hat that one day that God would fully clothe humanity and give them a robe of righteousness again. Mm-hmm. And so what we take upon us is the righteousness of Jesus, the purity of Jesus, so that when God looks at his church, when he looks at believers who profess Jesus as king, God does not see their vileness. God does not see their rebellion. God does not see their shame and their guilt and their sinfulness. He sees his son because Jesus has clothed us in the robes of right. We are royalty now. That's it. 
We are children of the Most High King. So, yeah, I mean, I, like, yeah, I just, I mean, yeah, just, yeah. I can talk about this all day, man, all day. Powerful, very powerful message, and and I, and I loved it. And, again, I, I know and I see why you continue to go back to Genesis, because it is there. The story is there. The natures are there. The characteristics are there. And even going back to uh, the series before of generosity— all of those characteristics in the nature of God is there, so yeah. beautiful. Yeah, well, and I, um, and so in, a couple of things that I want to say before we kind of wrap up is, you know, the idea of revolution, because I have used the term revolution uh, to refer to the gospel revolution. Now, revolution, uh, it can be defined in many ways, and two of the definitions that I use is that revolution can mean a far and drastic change in ways of thinking and behaving, or it can also mean an overthrow of a government or a power. Okay, so what what you have with Adam and Eve at first is that they ha- they do they do revolt, so they they incite a revolution. They want to try to overthrow God, and then they want to change their way of thinking and behaving because they want to you know kind of rule on their own. And then you fast forward to the gospel revolution that Jesus really did come to do. He came to overthrow the powers that be to defeat sin, death, hell and the grave, and to incite a different way of thinking and behaving. So I just want people to realize that as as Christians, we are revolutionaries in the mm-hmm. sense yes. that we no longer, which is why we are Americans second, secondarily, but we are kingdom, we are kingdom citizens of of heaven primarily. So 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 really our, our first way of thinking is should be as a kingdom citizen, not as an American citizen. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So so we, we are good news revolutionaries that have been sent back into the world to reflect the coming kingdom of God. The second thing that I just kind of want to mention is that I had heard a couple of things that I just kind of heard from from people this past weekend. One is that they've never heard this before, and they're like blown away. And but they had a you know, obviously they had some kind of Bible knowledge to be able to follow connecting all of the dots. And then also had heard where uh, someone had said that they heard uh, a person say, "Man, that's just way over my head." I, I get how sometimes theology can be over our head. Here's where I would really love to encourage and exhort people who would feel like sometimes the the message might be over your head. I know when it comes to school, there are always going to be things that are over our head. Like math is over my head. Not really passionate about math, you know, but I know growing up, math was over my head. A lot of math even today, over my head. But but because of my vocational call, I don't necessarily have to be so skilled in math yet. Basic math, yes. But I went to school of what I was passionate about, and sure, you know, the subjects that I you know was introduced to. Some of them, I'm like, oh my gosh, like even some words I would have to read through a book. I'm like, I don't understand that word. But because I was passionate and called into this arena, I I did extra studying so that I could know that which I was passionate about. One of the things that I feel is happening today in the church is because sometimes theology in the Bible can be over people's heads, so let's, not, let's just not go as deep anymore. 
that is a very lazy way for the church to think about theology and teaching the Bible. I, again, I want to try to make the Bible as accessible as it possibly can. But sure, there will be things, you know, that, oh my gosh, I, you, you know, uh, that, that was just kind of over my head. My question to you, uh, for those who would say, oh, that was just over my head. One, did you take notes? Did you take notes? Uh, because if you say that was over my head and you didn't take notes and to figure out what questions you need to ask for clarity, that's lazy. So I'm just flat out going to say it. And, but but here's the thing. I, it might not be lazy if you're not serious about Jesus. Mm. But if you're serious about Jesus and you want to get to know Jesus more and you want to understand the Bible more, I, I, I promise you, yes, there are going to be things over your head, but you're going to go deeper into that which you don't fully understand. Right, so I really I want us to be a church that that yes we we preach Jesus we we try to contextualize so so that people can hear the story of Jesus understand Scripture in their language and in their heart language really and that's why I'm trying to use Hamilton I mean so we're so we're really trying but I understand that there will be things like oh man that was really hard to understand but my thing would be is if you're passionate about Jesus and you want to get to know the Jesus of Scripture don't be lazy. Take notes, write down questions. Uh, obviously, you can email me. We got tons of staff that would love to help you uh, deepen your understanding of Jesus, of the Bible. Like, don't be lazy. Don't walk out and go, well, you know, that was just way over my head. No, did you even try to apply yourself to even, or did you just tune out? Because I promise you this, anything in life that we're passionate about, even if it was over our head, uh, we're, we're going to figure out a way to bring our head above it. You, you know, and so, and that that's in anything in life if we're passionate about it. Like, for instance, how many parents, how many parents, when they when, when when they had their, especially on Father's Day weekend, right, how many fathers were really prepared to have their first child? <laughs> I'm nope. still not prepared. <laughs> zero, zero. zero. <laughs> but but you learned. Yes. And and you tried to figure it out. You ask questions. You're like, oh, yeah. That's I mean, I'm telling you. That's why the Bible likens that if you that that if you uh, if you have faith in Jesus. Like if you are transferred from the domain of darkness, the kingdom of man, into the kingdom of God, you enter into as a child, and then from this idea of, of a childhood, you grow into maturity. So, so the same way that we, again, would learn anything, whether it's parenting or a vocation, we enter in not knowing a lot. Yeah. But we apply ourselves. We ask the right questions. We become a student and we dig deeper so that we might grow into maturity in those areas that God has called us to, whether it be parenthood, vocation, or yes, following Jesus. So so I just want you, you know, uh, I just want to encourage and exhort those who, who might even say, and again, it might be another sermon, but uh, like I understand, like there are a lot of things that um, you know I have done, will do that will challenge and that will stretch us, uh, because I don't want us. And this is using a Bible phrase, like I, I just don't want us to drink milk. Man, I want us to have man a filet mignon, man. Yeah, like so. So let's be a church that, yes, we we can have milk. We can serve some milk, and we can serve a filet mignon. 
And and I feel like even a message like this past weekend, I try I, I, again. I I know that there are times where I'm in. Oh, I definitely know I'm imperfect, but there are times where I'm 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 imperfect in even how I'm I'm trying to uh, frame out things. But but I really feel like even a message like this past week, you can follow the storyline. And what I'm trying to do, if you would jot down these these passages that I tell you about. Then, then ultimately, when you have those down on paper and then you start looking at them through Scripture, I mean, I literally walked you through the story of the Bible from beginning to end. And along the way, almost every—and I could, again, I could use every book, every, every one of the 66 books of the Bible to connect the theme of king and kingdom. Mm-hmm. But just, yeah, just devote yourself, you, you know, to, to, to Jesus and to learning about Jesus. And I think that's really good as we conclude to understand that you you named a few resources and you're in the foyer also just to have a conversation of saying, can you say something again? And I've seen you do it to where it's just a conversation to just help understand. We've got the resources. We have the people in Orange Island. And we we have have a bookstore. We We literally have a bookstore. (laughs) Exactly. Like, hey, uh, Pastor Josh is talking about Jesus being a king or whatnot. Can you you help me? Can you point me in? Because I've even shared with Donna and Stacy books that I would recommend so they can point me, you know, then we also have other staff recommendations. But but yes, usually anything that I'm preaching through or preaching on, we have a book or several books or resources to help you. And then, you know, obviously, maybe if you're listening to this podcast, I'm, we're speaking to the choir. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but if you hear somebody yeah. that is like, man, that was over my head, then you might just want to gently ask them, well, have you listened to uh, extra takes. takes like because here's one of the things I would like to tell people too is like you know especially if uh, you know somebody like wants to disagree with something I said here or whatnot one of the first questions I would always have with them have you listened to all my other messages because if you haven't listened to all my other messages yet then don't don't come to me about this one just yet you, you know because in a, in one message you can't tackle everything in one message. And so, uh, like, you know, one would be is like, you, you know, why would I even do this series? Well, I mean, if you listen to my very first message, I literally spend about 10, 15 minutes telling you why I'm doing this series. So so don't come complaining just yet if you haven't listened, if you haven't gone on the website, my website and read that. Like, so I'm saying, again, my thing is, is that we're we're so, <laughs> so I feel like I'm being very negative here, but I'm just calling our laziness out. You know, if you find just one thing that you don't agree with or you don't understand and you do nothing to try to just make sure that either you haven't misunderstood or that you get a bigger picture, that's on you and not me or anybody else. Like do a little bit more due diligence to learn and grow as a human being. And so uh, anyways, why? Because we all want to grow. I want to grow. And so that's all I got there, Joe. And so no, I appreciate the appreciate the time, and I love it. And I think that's what we have to do. Plus, I want to uh, add on all of the different classes we have here at Northland. All, so all I'm, the life I'm groups. I'm throwing yeah. plugs for all everything that we have here at Northland, uh, along, of course, with extra takes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Joe, thanks so much for being my co-host and joining me today, Northland family and friends. You are deeply, deeply loved. We are so grateful that you tune in every week. Uh, to listen to Extra Takes. Have a great rest of your day and week. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.